Welcome to Ganjapreneur, helping Ganjapreneurs grow and succeed in every sector of the cannabis industry. Ganjapreneur will introduce you to the cannabis pioneers who are paving the way for future generations. Learn about the shifting landscape of the market directly from the experts and get to know some of the leading minds in the industry as they tell their story of struggles and success. Now, CannabisRadio.com presents Ganjapreneur. Hi there, and welcome to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast. I am your host, Shango Lopes. The Gondrepreneur.com podcast gives us an opportunity to speak directly to entrepreneurs, cannabis growers, product developers, and cannabis medicine researchers, all focused on making the most of cannabis normalization. As your host, I do my best to bring you original cannabis industry ideas that will ignite your own entrepreneurial spark and give you actionable information to improve your business strategy and improve your health and the health of cannabis patients ever. Everywhere. Today, my guest is Jeremy Still, founder of Build a Soil, a handmade small batch custom soil maker in Montrose, Colorado. He also sells specialty soil inputs online at buildasoil.com. Welcome, Jeremy. Hey, thanks for having me on today. So, Jeremy, this is going to be a little different because, you know, sometimes our entrepreneurial guests, they, they build products and, you know, they're talking about importing this from China or having this special technology adapted from the dot-com industry or whatever. But your manufacturing process is grounded all on natural ingredients. So to give folks a little idea of the kinds of products that you deal with, uh, what are some of the custom inputs that you use in your soil? Well, that's a great question. We went around a lot of the typical manufacturing and wholesale outlets and channels that were available. The reason we did that is we didn't want to pick from the same products that every single gardening store had available. When we started getting into commodities, we realized right away that there was not a lot of people doing it. And so consequently, pretty much same products everywhere. A uh, couple of the ones that we use that are a little bit more rare would be a product from the neem tree out of India. And we use the crushed up seed called neem cake or neem seed cake. And there's also a byproduct that's an oil that's made from that. We carry all of that. Mm. Essentially, it's just a really good fertilizer that's very sustainably produced and is, uh, has a number of additional properties that help besides just fertilizer. And so a lot of our products, they're products that were already in demand and they were harder to find. So rather than create a new industry, we put ourselves in front of the demand we already knew was there. And that recipe worked really well for us. Mm. Besides that, we deal a lot of kelp shrimp and crab meals, specialty compost, things like that. So the idea that some of these products were really hard to find and you are bringing them together in one place so that they can be purchased, that totally begs the question, what's the relationship like between you and your providers? I mean, I've worked in different industries before where I was importing rare leaves from Thailand for aquariums. And I knew how hard it was to deal with some of these really exotic dealers. They were always running out of product. We had language barriers. You know, what kind of relationship Relationships have you had to build with these, you know, micro producers so that you can actually have enough in stock to make it worthwhile? A lot of stuff like you talked about has happened. There are some producers that, for instance, we wanted to get a very good worm casting product or material that's organic that's been worked by worms. And so we went to our local worm guy and well, within about two days, he had no more product for us. And it's the most he's ever sold kind of situation. And so we started looking at that and thought, okay, well, if we want to scale up, this is going to be a problem. And right away, I found out why it was more popular for businesses to take a synthetic approach because once the marketing kicks in, you can make unlimited product by using chemistry. So for us, that was a barrier to entry that 
excited me as a small business because I felt like some of the big players might not have as much interest. Mm -hmm. So in any case, to answer your question more direct, we found a lot of small producers that actually were pretty big producers for other large industries and they just weren't aware of our niche. And so that has helped us. There is a large production for a lot of these items. For instance, we carry a malted barley product that we've since started using for feeding to our plants with phenomenal results. Well, there's an entire beer industry that knows everything about malting grains. And so it was easy for us to tap into. Our advantage is that we're small, so we can be really nimble. Some of these other companies might hear about the malted barley. They may not get on a product on the market for a couple of years. We'll all have it tomorrow. Yeah, I can see how when you're not using synthetics and everything needs to be custom built by hand, either by yourself or by your supplier, that it would slow down refreshing your inventory, something yeah. seriously. You know, as the primary entrepreneur in the chain to the customer, are you finding that you're doing a lot of mentoring for your suppliers to kind of help them up their game? Yes and no. Sometimes, like for instance, we're entering that phase now. And so this is where we hope to as a company, we've got to scale slowly because quality is at the forefront of a small business like ours. And it's what keeps the word of mouth marketing going because it just works. And so from there, what we have to do is find producers that are in alignment with our values and teach them how they can produce a business that would have Build-A-Soil as their number one customer funding them from day one as far as at least purchasing their product. And so for the first time this year, we have a number of vermicompost producers that are going to start making better products for us so we don't keep running out. And down the line, I'd like to make every product in-house by one of our customers that was an entrepreneur. So we need cover crops produced. We need more dynamic herbs that can be used as mulch products and homemade nutrients. And so there is so much opportunity for growth. What's nice about that is, like you said, the organic side of it, it makes the logistics a little harder. But as Build-A-Soil figures that out, we can bring a lot of us up with us, and it's pretty exciting. It's kind of an extraordinary position to be in, isn't it? To know that you need a particular input. And let's just use worm castings as that yep. was, since that was the earlier example. And you need it, and you need a lot of it. And you're kind of reverse engineering the business plan of the folks that are earlier than you in the supply chain. Yep. And you're like, all right, I need worm castings. If you set up a worm castings business, I can probably cause you to be profitable just on my purchases yeah. alone before you ever sell to anybody else in Colorado. And people look at you like, no, that's too easy. And yet if you're the last person before the consumer and you need that stuff, it's the truth of the matter, but people have a hard time believing that the opportunity can be right there in front of them. Well, and that's just what happens with any entrepreneur. You can take one of any of a hundred ideas. The problem with a lot of entrepreneurs is they'll be on a new one next week. Sometimes you just got to take something that you have a little passion in and really go after it and not let any obstacle put you down. And a lot of times you have to have a bigger goal than your obstacles so you can see through those hard days. And I'll tell every single person I meet, I need this, I need that. And they'll say, oh, that's great. I'll start a business tomorrow. I never hear from them again. Because when the rubber meets the road, they now have an opportunity to fail if they try. And you just can't be scared of failure. You will sell these organic products. There is a market. It's just a matter of figuring out how to produce them effectively. And so what's really neat is some of the older producers have gotten really comfortable. And so we can tweak this. We can make them a lot better product. Once we scale it up, it's just, it's game over. There is so much opportunity for better products in this market, and there's only a few producers out there, so it's high time. 
as a serial entrepreneur myself and somebody who speaks on entrepreneurism a lot, you know, the one thing I consistently hear is people talk about situations being too good to be true. And yep. that's a line that I hear all the time. And, and yet when you get a situation like that, it is too good to be true. But the damn thing is it's true. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't, I don't, you, you also have to be open to it. Exactly. I don't, I don't believe in statements that limit my mind's ability. So I never tell myself it's too good to be true. Of course, that doesn't mean I'm silly and just jump into things head first with happy ears, but certainly money does grow on trees. You know, anybody who's ever grown a plant ever and sold it to market knows that. It does not take money to make money. I've gone fishing with no bait, caught lots of fish. And here's the same thing with my business. I had no money, just quit a job and basically had if I would have pitched my business plan to somebody asking for a loan, they would have just laughed at me. But it didn't matter because I had the desire to do it. And so business takes time, money, effort. You don't have to have all three though. I had lots of time and I knew right where to put the effort with laser-like focus. I like that quote, fishing with no bait. I think there might be a t-shirt in that. <laughs> So we're going to take a short break and be right back. I'm Shango Los, and you are listening to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast with my guest, Jeremy Silva of Build a Soil. We'll be right back. After a short message from the sponsors who made this show possible, Gontrepreneur will return. Your connection to quality cannabis insurance services is spelled K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R. That's Karcher Insurance. We have worked with ventures like cannabis for over 60 years. We're proud to represent over 50 companies with tailor-made cannabis plans for owners just like you to insure your product, your plants, and your pursuits. K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R spells out their full-service insurance services, ranging from commercial to bonds, to personal, from life to health, and more. Contact the team at karcherinsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R insurance.com. Contact Karen and the team at Karcher Insurance at 1-844-421-3560. That's 844-421-3560. Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> More flavor. Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Candid. I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends. Compelling. We get to meet some of the most amazing cannabis activists and warriors around. Listen in as medical marijuana pioneer Dr. Dina shares never-before-heard stories, chats with cannabis insiders and celebrity friends, and provides invaluable perspective and insight into one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. I want to share with you what was once confidential information. Let's expose the truth, discuss the issues, and learn the facts. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back to help Gondrepreneurs grow. You're listening to Gondrepreneur, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. You are listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast. I am your host, Shango Lose, and our guest this week is Jeremy Silva of Build-A-Soil. 
So Jeremy, before the break, we were talking about what it takes to build a healthy soil and all the various kinds of inputs that you'll want to put in there. You know, so many growers, both modern and prohibitionary growers, are used to throwing away their soil at the end of the cycle, either, you know, throwing it into some unused part of the property or reusing it into some other non-cannabis plants. But I'm learning more and more that it's not that difficult to reinvigorate this soil and use it again. Tell us a little bit about that, about save some money on soil by giving it new life. Yeah, and this is really at the heart of our business. A lot of the criticism I got when I started Build a Soil, just from people asking questions, they'd say, look at your open source, you give away your recipes, you tell people to keep their soil and not throw it away. How is any of this good for Build a Soil? Don't you want them coming back, buying more, not teaching them the recipe, keeping it all proprietary? And for me, it was the opposite. Everything that I've seen lately in the new entrepreneur spirit that I'd like to carry shows that if you give value, people will support you regardless. And so to me, that's all our company is about. And so when we talk about soil and reusing it, one of the main things that causes that problem is using the synthetic nutrients that are chemical based. And so they salt up the soil and they require to be flushed and all these other things. So when you do that all the time, it makes the soil so it is harder to reuse. And it's also more of just a holding medium for the roots than really a soil. Most of the potting soils on the market could really be considered hydroponics in the sense that there's not actual mineral clay compost. It's mostly just peat moss and some sort of perlite. That might be getting a little technical, but ultimately what that means is that by introducing a better product, we could show people how when they stop using the chemical fertilizers, there's now no longer a reason to throw the soil away. And then they can reuse it, and all they have to do is, obviously they're taking biomass out, that'll deplete the soil. And so we utilize techniques where, within nature, we can add more without it hurting the plant. So we're always adding an abundance of all the right stuff and reinvigorating the soil so it can be reused where, when you're using chemistry, you've gotta be really precise. You can't just give it extra or you'll hurt the plant. And so ultimately, I found that when working with nature, it's just a lot more forgiveness and so of our customers. So really helping out the business model. So let's get a little more nitty gritty on that. So let's say that I am a grower and I've cropped. I'm pulling out the root balls out of my soil and I end up with this big pile of soil. Very specifically, what would you recommend that I do to revitalize it? Perfect. So this is where some of our information based on talking to so many customers comes into play. We receive hundreds of soil tests from different customers, and then I get to hear the story of what created those results. Oh, this has been used for a year. Oh, this is from my backyard. This has been used indoor. And ultimately, almost every time we saw a pattern, as long as they started with a similar recipe of organic soil, we'd find that the nitrogen and calcium were depleted. There was usually an excess of P and K, and there was just a little bit of an imbalance. And so we designed a kit that would add back the calcium via a product called gypsum, and the sulfur that comes with that would help balance the other nutrients and flush them out of the soil. Then we add back a little nitrogen by using some organic matter or some of our favorite organic fertilizers. And the soil is essentially right back to where it started. And to add to that, because you've been cultivating the soil with roots in it, if you were to instead of dig the root ball out and dump the soil out, if you just left it completely intact and only chopped the stalk off and put your new plant in, you'd actually keep alive and intact all of the mycorrhizal fungal networks, the bacterial networks. And so 
you would actually keep a little bit of the life intact. And then we just add fertilizer back to the top of the soil and everything is good to go again. That root ball is actually food for the soil. So two schools of thought in the organic right now, uh, we help both. Sometimes you gotta dump the soil out because you're moving gardens or you're getting bigger pots. You would re-amend it and mix it in the soil. The other one is no-till and we're hoping most people go that way because it's a lot less work. You just have to start off with more soil to start and then you never have to dig it or mix it up again. You just apply right to the top. So what happens to that root ball? That actually reminds me a lot. I live rurally and yep. lots of folks use cover crops, which yes. help you know, give nutrients to the next season. And this kind of reminds me of that, is that the new plant is going to be yeah. living off of the, the root systems of the old plant. But assuming that that's correct, doesn't that root system take up a lot of physical space that the new root system needs to survive? No, because it won't be a living plant anymore. So when you're growing a cover crop, you smash it down before you plant the new one. And you don't remove the cover crop biomass. In fact, what happens is if you till the soil even once, even an inch, you're going to release at least 10 years worth of weed seed bank that is just going to take over your property. Where if you cover crop, it actually removes the purpose of the weeds. The weeds are there to come in and fix the soil. Whether it's too much potassium, too much alkaline, too compact. If you put good cover crop in, they'll start fixing nitrogen, feeding the micro life and making a healthy soil. So the weeds, they have no reason to sprout. And because of all of the biomass, we're talking 10 inches deep, thick matting of cover crop that's going to be chopped and dropped right on the ground. No weed seed could ever grow through that. But when you go to plant your seed, you can use a seed tool that cuts through and plants it, or you can by hand move the mulch back, put your seed down, and when it sprouts, move the mulch back. So... By using a couple of tricks, we can really beat nature, not have to pull any weeds or use weed killer, and keep the soil covered. If people that are listening are interested in something like this, there's a book by Ruth Stout called The No Work Garden Book, and another book by Masanobo Fukuoka called The One Straw Revolution. Those two combined are very easy reads and would change your whole philosophy. Yeah, I was going to say this sounds pretty darn radical because I spend a lot of time touring gardens and talking with growers. And at the end of the season, almost everybody pulls their root ball, makes a new pile of soil, works that or throws it, and then continues on. And you're saying, no, don't disturb the soil. Just let it rock and plant into it again. Yep. And a lot of this message is, for instance, here's a story to relate. And I'm going to kill the story a little bit, but I'll keep it short. There was a lady cooking. She would, You may have even heard it. She'd cut off both ends of her roast when she would do it. Well, her mom came over one time and was like, honey, why'd you cut the ends off the roast? You ruined it. And she goes, well, you've done that always. And her mom went, oh, silly. That's the biggest pan we could afford at the time. And I had to <laughs> cut the ends off. And so what happens as a farmer is to take a crop to harvest, our entire business is on the line, whether it's farming, no matter what it is, a lot of money rides on a big duration. And so if you're going to alter your process and you're wrong, well, you're not going to know for six months and that could ruin your entire family. So people are very hesitant to change when it comes to farming. And so it takes a company like ours that can show physical evidence, proof, get a following of people behind us that are saying, yes, this really works. That's what's going to make it easier for the percentages that normally don't take on, like the early adopters or who we're working with now. But eventually they're going to prove that it does work and there'll be people that have never tried this method and they'll feel comfortable doing it because they can see the proof. Throughout the life cycle of the plant, do you also recommend to your customers to develop a compost tea that they like so that it's constantly getting the nutrition it needs? It depends. And one of the things that I've found about our company is it's very challenging providing accurate and true information all the time because it changes based on 
the actual situation. So while on one hand, I'd like to say everybody use compost tea. I'll sell more compost. I'll sell more compost tea brewers. Realistically, once the soil gets up and running, you don't need any compost tea at all. You can just put stuff on the soil and the soil is going to digest it. But here's the reason why compost teas are so awesome. A lot of times these farms are limited on the amount of quality soil they can have and the amount of quality inputs. So a compost tea can really stretch that input with a pretty minimal amount of labor. And especially in the first couple of years of a new farm when the micro life needs to get developed or if we're indoors in a container that might not be big enough for the plant we're growing, these are areas and tools where we can use a compost tea and the great thing is it never hurts. We can add them all the time and they will most likely only cause benefit. The challenge that I have is once your soil gets good and if you have enough soil, there becomes a diminishing point of return where it's no longer advantageous for me to keep selling you stuff. You just really don't need the tea anymore. You know, I've seen a couple really high-end living soil folks who say, you know, no nutrients needed to be added. You just plant in the soil and you're done. And this must be their approach where the soil is just so darn robust that adding anything else would be superfluous. Yeah, it's correct. And even that I have to say with a grain of salt because I found that when we're dealing with intuitive things like gardening, when you have no experience and it's your first time, for instance, I grew up in a cul-de-sac, sidewalks and you know, asphalt. There wasn't an opportunity for me to get curious about garden and plants. So when I got into it at a later age, a lot of things people would take for granted like how to properly water, what certain plants look like. I, it just wasn't normal knowledge. And so when you start to get to that point, you can tell someone, yeah, this soil will grow everything you need water only. Well, they may not know that they can't grow a 20-foot tall plant out of a one-gallon container, so they might say, well, it didn't work. So there are some caveats there, but for the most part, if the gardener knows what they're doing, the power of nature can certainly supply everything we require, and we don't have to revert back to the really high energy cost of synthetic fertilizers. A lot of people don't know that synthetic fertilizers require a lot of fossil fuel to create, lots of energy to make nitrogen. And so it just gets more expensive every year as fuel goes up. These farmers are freaking out because they're seeing that they're dependent upon fertilizer and pretty soon they'll be priced out of it. Jeez. Well, it's time for us to take another short break. We'll be right back. I am Shangalos and you are listening to the Godpreneur.com podcast with my guest, Jeremy Silva of Build a Soil. We'll be right back. After a short message from the sponsors who made this show possible, Godpreneur will return. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. MJWellness.com, the largest medical marijuana community in the world. Connect with thousands of patients, doctors, industry leaders, and businesses through shared personal experiences along our worldwide network. Discover new therapies and benefits with content tailored to you. Come grow your network on mjwellness.com. You're not alone. Your wellness matters. Learn, live, and thrive. Check out mjwellness.com today. 
chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Well, with four states with tax and regulate and the District of Columbia. The state of cannabis. Oh, my God, it's refreshing. We have people that generally wouldn't speak on behalf of cannabis for fear of retribution, fear of losing your practices, fear of of many of those things, and and find ourselves in in a a place that we finally can. Bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. The State of Cannabis. On demand anytime, only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back to help Gondrepreneurs grow. You're listening to Gondrepreneur, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. You are listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast. I'm your host, Shango Los, and our guest this week is Jeremy Silva of Build-A-Soil. So Jeremy, before the break, we were talking about the different inputs that you use for your soil and how to build a healthy, thriving soil. I want to change gears a little bit for a moment and talk more about your business structure since this is primary show for entrepreneurs. So Traditionally, soil was something that was purchased very locally because of the weight and the volume of it. It was just, you know, a pain in the butt to try to ship that. But nowadays, you know, you can still buy soil locally to get started, but then you can actually go and build that soil by getting specialty nutrients, which you might not be able to get locally. What has been your experience since launching your website and being able to reach out to growers all over the country who may have a topsoil locally, but can't get the specialty items that you are very proud of selling. This is great because it allows us to have longevity with our customer. And first off, there's actually a really tight distribution network of soil and it pretty much comes from the West Coast and from Canada and it's pretty much the same products in every place. So it's not really bought locally. Now for the garden, if someone got topsoil like you mentioned, they would oftentimes get that locally and then amend it. But it seems like most people that I know, if they're going to start a garden, They go down to the local stop, you know, go to Home Depot, go to the garden spot, they get a few tomato plants, and they buy a few bags of miracle Grow or whatever bagged soil is there. And that's really where we came in and said, okay, this bagged soil is getting shipped all over the country, and it's awful stuff. And then these gardeners go, man, I just don't have a green thumb. How can we change that? And so with the power of the internet, we were able to reach out and bring real quality products to everybody, and it just was predicated on the fact that once we knew we educated them, they wouldn't want to go back. So we really focused on free videos, free content that would really harmonize and kind of be congruent with their philosophy. If these people are already eating organic, well, they'd probably want to grow that way. They just didn't know how. Combine that with the fact that people didn't really want to ask about how to grow certain plants. They would just be limited to the information from their friends. So in any case, uh, the internet, my first sale was from a Craigslist ad. I wanted to test the model. So I read 4-Hour Workweek, I was willing to put a lot more hours than that in. But one of the things that he struck me in that book was he said, look, it, don't go build a business and hope it works. Go test it. See if there's demand and then build the business. Within my first day, I got a sale on Craigslist. And then the ability to use the new tools that are out there for websites and all the apps and plugins and shipping softwares, there's no excuse for anybody not to run their own business. It's so easy. I have a little HTML background and stuff, but I just haven't had to use any of it lately. 
Well, one of the things that I really dig about leveraging the internet is thin slicing. And, you know, if you just were able to sell your soil and inputs right there around Montrose, Colorado, you'd have, you know, a small, maybe probably profitable local business. But as soon as you add the internet, you thin slice everybody who's on the internet. And so you need a very low percentage of all the people are online to actually get very rich. Whereas if you were only serving Montrose, you'd actually need a very high percentage of the local people to be customers of yours. And so you kind of have the best of both worlds. You've got a retail place where people can come in and you can sell to your neighbors. But at the same time, you've got the ability to sell these specialty items all across the country. And so, you know, I think that our audience should take inspiration from that, that if you've got a small idea, a unique product, but you're like, oh, how would I sell enough of it? set up a simple web store and sell that to everybody in the country because if you only get a small percentage of them, you're totally going to win. Yeah, and I encourage everybody. You know, so many people require too much of the vision to take action. So it's like driving across the highway all the way across the country at night. You only can see about 20 feet, 30 feet as far as your headlights, but still we trust and as soon as we get there, we can see further. So with the website, I know lots of people that have ideas that really would work, but they picture buying a million things. I say, go sell one, go get your first sale. And if that little bing on PayPal with some money doesn't freak you out and make you excited, then it's probably not for you. But once it happens, you'll find out how to get your second and third sale and then you can work with exponential power where you get repeat customers as long as you do good customer service. It took us probably a year to get to the point where I could live off Build-A-Soil, but after that, it was like someone turned on the waterfall. It just grew overnight. Unbelievable. Well, I can also see how the exponential growth is going to kick in when you start bringing in your suppliers. During the first segment, you were talking about how, you know, you've been trying to help your suppliers make enough material so that you can buy it from them and that you keep buying out all their inventory. And so, you know, you're attracted to this idea of bringing them in-house. Once they're in-house and you are capitalizing their process and so everything can be made in a, you know, more wholesale thinking, I can imagine that you're your numbers will jump up because not only are your margins getting better, but you'll always have these products in stock that people are excited about. Yeah, and here's the thing that happens when you empower other entrepreneurs. They tell their friends and all of a sudden, instead of it just being, oh, Jeremy's a cool guy, every supplier in our line is a cool guy that people want to support or a cool girl or whoever that is. And so now you're removing the big, faceless, nameless business and you're putting in real families, real businesses. That's what people want to support. I get people all the time that'll spend extra money and they'll tell me, hey, it was a dollar cheaper over here, but I just went with you guys because you're there and I know you're going to make it right. And so if there's anything I can preach to you, as a small business owner, put your phone number up there, answer the phone, be everything a big business can't be. And over time, you'll have to put in some of the same big systems they did. But in the beginning, you can learn your customers better than anybody in the world. And that's your advantage. And then you have a list of customers that trust you because you treated them well. So if you find a new product and it's in alignment with your core values, you could email all of your thousands of customers, make a whole bunch of money and create a whole bunch of happy customers by just being creative one night. I can almost see all the entrepreneurs in our audience raising their hands going, preach it, hallelujah, you know what you're saying. Because <laughs> well, we all hear this all day long and any entrepreneur has gone through phases in our life where we don't take action. And then once it happens, we look back and go, man, what took so long? Why didn't I just do this forever ago? 
Well, Jeremy, we've run out of time. This has all been really great. Thanks so much for chatting today. Hey, you're welcome. I love talking about this stuff and it was a pleasure being on. Jeremy Silva is founder of Build a Soil. Find out more information at buildasoil.com. You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur podcast in the podcast section at gontrepreneur.com. You can also find us on the Cannabis Radio Network website and in the Apple iTunes store. On the gontrepreneur.com website, you will also find the latest cannabis news, product reviews, and cannabis jobs updated daily, along with transcriptions of this podcast. You can also download the gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. Thanks to Brasco, as always, for producing our show. I'm your host, Shango Lopes. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.